Hello and welcome to Electron News Bytes, our show dedicated to updates from the world of electronics and semiconductors. I'm your host, Stuart Cording, the electronics reporter. In this month's show, I'll be exploring how to move your PCB to mass manufacture with downstream technologies, looking at test and measurement tools that are configurable using ChatGPT, discovering a project that's rewriting sudo in Rust, covering an intelligent current sensor for high power applications, and exploring one of the oldest Formula Student racing teams. However, if you're in a hurry, use the description below this video or podcast to jump straight to the topics that interest you. Otherwise, let's get started. The Promissimo project has announced that they are working on a version of the Linux super user commands sudo and su, but written in Rust. The sudo rs project is supported by a donation from AWS to the Dutch software developer Tweedegolf and Rust developer Ferris Systems. The, U, the new Rust version should be more secure, specifically in terms of memory security. Initially, the project will focus on Linux support on Ubuntu 22.04 before adding other Unix systems later. Eventually, enterprise features such as LDAP, hostname matching, auditing, and authentication will be included. The sudo rs project can be found on GitHub. Current measurement in high power systems typically uses a passive shunt or a hall sensor, but businesses are increasingly looking to improve their energy consumption monitoring to reduce wastage. The new Digital Smart Shunt or SSD series from Ridion Inc. packs a high level of integration into their shunt components. The Digital System in Package or SIP devices include an automotive grade 16-bit microcontroller, a 24-bit A to D converter with buffered inputs, and flash memory. This allows current measurements, battery voltage monitoring, and coulomb counting to be carried out using a plug-and-play approach. Two models are available, one providing RS-485 that is configurable as Modbus RTU, and the other offers CAN. The shunts measure currents from 100 amps to 1 kiloamp and offer an accuracy of 0.1%. Measuring just 67 by 80 by 17 millimeters, the shunts target applications such as energy storage systems, industrial drives, building automation, and charging stations for electric vehicles. If you're regularly manipulating data or trying to determine file formats, you might like to try CyberChef. Developed by the UK's government communications headquarters, known as GCHQ, the tool is hosted and freely available on GitHub. Running inside most browsers, the intuitive web app can carry out all manner of cyber operations. These include simple encoding like XOR and Base64, and more complex encryption like AES, DES, and Blowfish. It can also create binary and hex dump output perform compression and decompression of data, and calculate hashes and checksums. Should you be wondering what type of file has, it can also make a suggestion based upon the MIME type of the data. Because the app is client-side, you can be sure that all your data remains on your machine. You can explore CyberChef directly from the GitHub repository, or download it and run it locally. This episode is sponsored by Volterra. 
Founded in 2013, Volterra focuses on additive electronics manufacturing with their V1 multifunctional PCB printer. Since its launch, the V1 is now deployed in over 80 countries, supporting developers and educators with their rapid prototyping needs. Fitting easily onto your desktop, the V1 can print and assemble a simple PCB within an hour, allowing you to quickly iterate your design several times in a single day. The V1 and its accessories are available through the Elector store, using the link in the description with this episode. Inertial sensors are growing in demand in robotics, IoT and health applications, where the data is increasingly analysed by AI algorithms to offer advanced functionality. Mauser is now stocking the ISM330IS iNEMO inertial module from ST Microelectronics. The devices offer an integrated system in package solution combining a three-axis digital accelerometer and three-axis digital gyroscope. Thanks to an embedded Intelligent Sensor Processing Unit, or IP, uh, ISPU, the ultra-low power programmable core is capable of executing signal processing and AI algorithms on the edge. The inertial modules offer a full-scale acceleration range of plus minus 2G to plus minus 16G and an angular rate range of 125 to plus minus 2000 degrees per second. Mauser also stocks related evaluation kits to help developers get started with these sensing modules. Traditional test and measurement equipment often fall short in supporting complex experiments, leaving engineers to explore approaches using FPGAs. However, this can be time-consuming and difficult for those with little to no FPGA experience. Liquid Instruments, a leading provider of software-defined test and measurement tools, is changing this with the integration of ChatGPT into its Moku family of products. The Moku's FPGA has supported customization for some time through their Cloud Compile feature, but this required a good understanding of VHDL to develop the desired functionality. Now, with ChatGPT support, engineers can use natural language commands to quickly develop their VHDL code. Rather than relying on software simulations or post-processing, Moku users can instantly deploy the code to their device's FPGA, enabling real-time interaction with real-world signals. Example use cases include advanced triggering logic, real-time signal processing for applications, or signal conditioning of sensor data. For more information, check the description with this episode for the upcoming webinar. Efficiency is growing in importance in industrial, data centre and networking applications. To meet this need, Bellfuse has launched their TET3600, a 3.6kW titanium efficient AC-DC front-end power supply. With a power density of 56 watts per cubic inch, the unit converts up to 277 volts AC to an adjustable 42 to 58 volts DC output, offering an efficiency of greater than 97% at 50% load. The power supply uses resonant soft switching techniques in conjunction with synchronous rectification to reduce component stresses and provide industry-leading efficiency and increased system reliability. 
It also has a DC input voltage range of 240 to 380 volts DC. An active OARing device on the output ensures no reverse load current and renders the supply ideally suited for operation in redundant power systems. The TET3600 is also hot-swappable and can be connected with up to six units in parallel with active digital current sharing. An always-on 12-volt, 30-watt standby output is also provided. Finally, systems communications are provided via I2C, PMBus or CAN. Shortlink AB has announced its listing on Xchain, the XFAB design and supply chain partner network. With a track record of successful ASIC projects in XFABs, 350 and 180 nanometer process technologies, the partnership already delivers silicon for high voltage applications or those with demanding analog requirements. Shortlink has also been selected as an IP partner on the XFAB IP portal. They offer a total of 17 IP cores ranging from SAR analog to digital converters to high voltage digital to analog converters and H-bridges. Devices using the IP can be manufactured in one of XFAB's six wafer manufacturing plants worldwide that are optimized for analog and mixed signal applications. As a student, it isn't enough to learn the theory. Practical experience is critical too. Which is why many students take part in their Formula Student Racing Team, building an all-electric race car. Analog Devices has announced their platinum sponsorship of WOB Racing from the Faculty of Automotive Engineering at the Ostfalia University of Applied Sciences. Their latest vehicle, WR17, has integrated analog devices parts into the inverter, allowing the vehicle to accelerate to an amazing 100 km per hour in just 2.2 seconds. Shalini Palmer, Corporate Vice President of Sales, EMEA, said, It's so inspiring to see these young people flex their creativity with some fantastic engineering in their automotive designs. Nurturing the future of our industry requires everyone to foster a spirit of collaboration in incoming talent. With control features continuously being added to the smart home, it's increasingly hard for designers to meet product standby power requirements using discrete buck converters, since these are inefficient in standby and require additional circuits for detecting AC line zero crossing. To combat this, the LinkSwitch TNZ family from Power Integrations combines offline power conversion with lossless zero cross detection. This enables best-in-class light load efficiencies and allows more system features to be powered while still meeting stringent standby regulations. To help engineers with their smart home designs, Power Integrations have added a new design example report, DER867, that describes a two-wire Bluetooth low-energy wall switch for smart lighting or motorized shading using their link switch, TNZ. It minimizes leak current and doesn't require a neutral wire. The design supports smartphone app control and draws less than 150 microamps in standby at 230 volts AC. While most engineers have developed printed circuit boards for prototyping purposes, there remains quite a gap before such designs can be considered 
ready for mass production. Downstream Technologies helps teams with this challenge, providing software and services for optimising and automating the printed circuit board release process. I spoke to Rick Almeida, one of Downstream's co-founders, and started by asking him for an overview of Downstream and their products. Sure. So, as I mentioned, Downstream started in uh, 2002. Uh, we acquired CAM350, which was a CAM software package from a company called Innovata at that time. Uh, myself and several of my partners, also former PAD software executives, um, purchased the, the product line and spun out as uh, Downstream. Our mission basically was to bridge the gap between the virtual design world and the physical PCB manufacturing world by providing not only just CAM software, but other software products that would help engineers transform that design into a physical product. We have um, three main product lines. Uh, the first one, as I mentioned, is CAM350, which predominantly focuses on uh, Gerber viewing, editing, uh, netlist compare, and so forth, panelization. Um, building upon CAM350 is our product line called DFM Stream. And what DFM Stream does that CAM350 doesn't is focus more on intelligent uh, manufacturing file formats like ODB++, IPC2581, and it also has more enhanced and advanced uh, DFM capabilities in there. All the products, even though CAM350 originated as a fabrication product, um, they're more geared at the design engineering community. The final product we have is a Blueprint PCB, and this was a brand new approach at a PCB documentation tool that uh, was designed to really automate the documentation process. Um, we sell and support our software in over 35 plus countries uh, with a uh, reseller network as well as direct sales in North America. Now, the big challenge with hardware design is that mistakes are costly to fix. What are the top three challenges the development team faces when moving their final prototype PCB to mass manufacturing? So there's there's three areas as, as we see. Um, one is, you know, is the form is really, are you capturing the engineering intent in the final manufacturing product? So form fit and function, um, how does that translate from the, uh, the virtual world to the physical world? Um, can it be manufactured? Can the board be manufactured in quantity, not just in production, but, um, but also in prototyping? And then the, the last piece is, when you're in prototype, you may have looser product requirements or manufacturing requirements, um, and moving into production can increase the, um, the strictness of those design rules and requirements that you have to meet. So um, all three of these combined is really what we're looking at is how you transition that you know, virtual design database into physical tools that can be used to receive a printed circuit board back from your manufacturer. So what can be done to ensure that my PCB is manufacturable by the fabricator I've chosen? So as I mentioned, there's three areas um, where we do this. One, we want like to figure out, can the design be built at all? So we suggest doing um, a, at a minimum a netless compare and, and design rule checking to look for opens and shorts compared to the original PCB database. The next stage is to compare the design um, from a DFM standpoint against your manufacturer's rule sets. So DFM stream allows you to model your manufacturer's rule sets and then run the design against that rule set to identify any issue. 
um, that may occur in the manufacturing process. And these aren't hard open and shorts, but potential problems that could occur in assembly or further out in the field. Um, the last piece is, well, will the design be reliable in the field? And again, these are more hypothetical issues, but we're trying to identify problematic areas that could cause the board to fail once it's out in, you know, in a customer's hands where it's most expensive to fix. We prefer that all this is done earlier on in the design process. So CAM350 and DFM Stream combined have a number of functions and features to perform this analysis at various levels so that your board meets your specific manufacturer's requirements. Now, one of the problems with Gerber files, though, is that they don't provide information on special component handling requirements or advice on assembly methods. How can design teams ensure such information is cleanly documented, but is also easy to update? Well, um, so ideally, if you look at your, your most successful companies, their method is to use best practices, which is to use intelligent design formats as opposed to Gerber and Drill, and to perform DFM analysis. That aside, we know that 80 to 90% of the market is still Gerber and NC Drill driven. Um, so if you think about it, when you're using Gerber and, and Drill information to drive production, you're basically taking an intelligent database, breaking it out into a myriad of single files, um, none of them have any relation to each other, and you're relying on your documentation to explain to a third party how to reconstruct that into a physical board that accurately represents that PCB database. This becomes uh, pretty difficult. One of the things our blueprint design tool does uh, for documentation is it allows you to read in an intelligent database um, instead of Gerber and Drill to produce all that documentation quickly and easy, easily, and it automates the process so that the documentation time is not a, um, a very painful process, but a very quick process. And all your assembly instructions can be captured in one central location, including your notes, your details, your drill patterns, and so forth to drive manufacturing accurately. So one last question, such a comprehensive range of tools must require significant time to learn in order to realize their full potential. Does Downstream offer any training? We do, and, and a lot of tools, especially when you get into the, um, you know, an expert level uh, are very deep and require a lot of training to become proficient at them. One of the things we set as our mission at Downstream is to make sure that our design tools for um, post-processing PCBs and verification and assembly are very easy to use and they support the design engineer generalist who has a lot of different things to do. So, um, so the user interface and the product lines are set up so that the user can be very productive almost from day one. That being said, we offer various levels of training. Um, we offer virtual training um, through Zoom meetings and so forth that we can give customers. We have a number of online video tutorials to explain how to use the product based on different categories of usage. And then on rare occasions, we do do on-site training for customers to get them up to speed. That was Rick Almeida from Downstream Technologies, sharing some of the software and services they offer for optimizing and automating the printed circuit board release process. So that wraps it up for this month's episode of News Bytes. If you'd like to learn more about the technologies highlighted, check out the accompanying description and links. 
Should you have a news update you'd like to share, please drop me a line to tell me more. You'll find my contact details on the Elector website. Or if you prefer, connect with me, Stuart Cording, on LinkedIn or follow me on Twitter. While you're here, please like, subscribe to Elector TV Industry on YouTube or give us a rating on whatever podcast platform you are listening to us on. Thanks for joining and hopefully we'll see you on Elector News Bites next time. Thank you.